The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Okay, so we are on day three of Tilm 20. Hopefully the last day, not in the sense that we like, you know, exhaust all the ideas, but that we we come away with a, a solid understanding. Our goal, now that you should be goal-oriented when you learn, is to answer these four questions, okay, about the parak with at least a one sentence answer for each um, question. That's what I would like to do. Even if there's more stuff that needs to be developed, I feel like what happened was first day we, we raised all the questions and translations. Second day, we threw all our intuitions and ideas onto the table and stuff started to coalesce. And today I just want to bring it home so that I have something solid and concrete that we can all like go home with to like, you know, internalize <laughs> okay so we're gonna do a super quick review of the parak just to get ourselves back in the mindset i'm not gonna read it in hebrew even uh because we've done that before and then i want to review a few of the key moves from last time and then we'll try to like uh see what we can find and then the other goal i mean this is kind of like tied in with goal number four of what of it like what's the purpose our other goal is to try to understand what this is doing in tefillah and i did find something on that but do we are we going to understand it we'll, we'll find out okay so Tillman 20, for he who grants victory a song for David, may Hashem answer you on a day of distress. May the name of the God of Yaakov strengthen you. May your help be sent from the holy, which means the Aron HaKodesh, and may he support you from Zion, which is the place where the Aron is kept. May he favor your menachos and accept the burning of your Ola offerings. That's they would bring korbanos before going to war. Oh, forgot to say, whole parak is, uh, is what people would daven on behalf of David when he went to war with his troops, or what people would daven on behalf of when David sent out his general... You know, you're, you're davening for the the person leading the troops to succeed in war. Plain shot, though, is um, this is Klal davening. Five, may he grant you in accordance with your heart and may he fulfill all your counsels. Redox says that means in war, may you you may all your strategies, you know, go the way you plan. Six, may we sing joyously at your salvation. Uh, and, oh, sorry, I was alarmed for saying because the Y is capital. It doesn't mean God is being saved. It means that God is the one who's saving. Okay, uh, yeah, the salvation that you, Hashem, bring about. And may we raise a ban- the banner of our God. May Hashem grant all your requests. Again, these are requests that pertain to the war. Now we have the pivot. Oh, hello, you are here. Okay, good. Um, now I have known that Hashem saved his anointed one. He will answer him from the heavens of his holiness with the mighty acts of salvation of his right hand. So that's the pivot. The pivot is we switched from asking Hashem about the future victory to looking back and saying that now I know that Hashem is the one who made us victorious. Uh, eight, these with chariot, these with horses, but we, we will invoke the name of Hashem our God. That's talking about who puts their bitachon, their security, where. The enemies put their security and trust in their chariots and their horses, but we put our trust in the name of Hashem. Nine, they slumped and fell, but we rose up and have constantly kept ourselves upright, um, or we've prevailed. Ten, Hashem saves, may the king answer us on the day we call. That's the rallying cry that we say when we go to war in the present tense. That's the review of the facts. Review of the ideas. Um, we had a couple of major moves. Major move number one was from the Rambam. And this one I actually do want to read inside because uh, um, I think it's, the language was important. And I'm not going to read the whole thing this time. Um, this is in Hilkos Malachim Melchamos, The Laws of Kings and Wars, Chapter 7, um, Halacha, Tesvav, talking about the Meshuch Melchama, which is the person who sends back those who are um, not good to go to war. So this is on someone who's uh, afraid and whose heart is melting. He says, uh, that it means what it says. I'm just going to read it in English again, because this is just review, uh, that his heart does not have the capacity to withstand the throes of war. And once a person enters into the throes of war, he should rely on the hope of Israel and their savior at the time of distress. 
and he should know that he is waging war for God's oneness, and he should place his life in his hands, in his hands, I think, in God's hands, and not fear and not be afraid and not think of his wife or his children. Rather, he should erase their memory from his heart and turn entirely towards war. Um, and then if you don't do that, you violate a low tasse. Okay, fine. Then he says um, in, 19, in this paragraph here, not only that, all of Israel's lives are dependent on him. But uh, And uh, if he does not, if he doesn't, I don't know why he's using the word nitzach here. If he doesn't um, strive for victory, probably, and does not wage war with all of his heart and all of his soul, we notice that that's the Lashon of the Kriyashma, with all your heart and all your soul. So then you're included in Hashem's curses. And then he says, and 20, anyone who wages war with all of his heart without fear, and his intent is to sanctify the name of God alone. Uh, it is assured, he's assured, he's promised that he will not find harm and not uh, suffer evil. And he, and he'll build a firm house in Israel and he'll, he and his children will merit forever and he'll get Olam Haba. Okay. So what was the idea? That was piece number one. So what was the idea there? The, the, the idea there is what are you fighting for? Okay. Everyone else is fighting for something that is um, in some way connected to their own personal success and thriving, whether it's their country or whether it's wealth and spoils or whether it's because they don't want to get punished by the king for not going to war. It's something to do with themselves. And even people who are fighting for, for um, certain values then the the at least the standard soldier is going to be fighting for values because um, because that provides the best life. You know, now we also hold that Hashem provides the best life, but we're fighting for something that is beyond ourselves of the Shem Hashem of establishing the of Kiddush Hashem in the world, God's oneness, and uh, and that's the and that's why the Ramam uses uh, you know, alludes to the Shema of the Ahavta that you are all in, all your energy is directed towards. I'm doing this for uh, to establish the 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 Shem Hashem, the name of God in the world. Okay, but what makes that unique? And oh, and by the way, and that's in the parak, that's in the chapter itself, because he mentions here uh, the name of of God uh, is what's strengthening you, and then he also mentions raising the banner of our God with the um, which the Radak says in the name of God, and we say at the end here also that isn't there another name of God here. I feel like I'm missing one. There were three. Eight. Yes, we will invoke the name of Hashem or God. Right. Okay, good. So that was number one. That was piece number one is what you're waging war for. Piece number two is that the name of Hashem is what gives you victory. And I actually forgot to put up the text here, but we're just going to uh, say it outside. Oh, actually, no, we're not going to say it outside because we have to say it inside. This is David Melech uh, when he went to war with Goliath. And this was our example of how you should do this. And we're not going to read the whole thing again. Just uh, this is in one seventeen. Uh, let's see if we could find it real quickly. Shame, 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 shame. Oh, there's a lot of shames. Uh, wait, was that it? I think I just skipped it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is, this was the line. David Melch says, David Melch said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and a spear, uh, whatever shield and a spear, helmet and a spear. Uh, I am coming with the name of Hashem, uh, uh, the, the, in the name of Hashem, the God of the legions of the armies of Israel. Uh, and he, and he basically, uh, and, and he says explicitly, I'm going to cut off your head basically. And 
Elohim Yisrael, and the entire earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And this entire congregation will know that God does not save with a sword and with a whatever the Chanis was, with a, I got to find out what that is, with a spear. Um, uh, Hashem, the war belongs to Hashem and he will give him over into your hands. Okay. So that we said is David implementing this. Okay. The, so there we made a second move, which is we are going to war for the sake of, of, the, of God's name and God's name is what allows us to win. That's another different, difficult thing or a different thing than other wars. America goes to war uh, for the sake of freedom and we use guns and weapons. Okay, um, you know, uh, uh, Iran goes to war for the sake of, uh, of of Allah and His Prophet, and they use you know their whatever their weapons are. We go to war for the sake of of, uh, of the name of Hashem, and we use the name of Hashem. But then we entered, we encountered a problem. The problem is David and Melech used a slingshot. Okay, so it's nice he talked about this whole talk about the name of Hashem, but in the end of the day, he used a slingshot. And what? How and and we're, we're taking David at his word that somehow that is using the name of Hashem. But how does that work? Similarly, in our parak, these with chariot, these with horses, but we will invoke the name of Hashem. Well, guess what? Kleistral also fought with with you know horses and spears and weapons and stuff. So so that was one of our outstanding questions. But then we started to answer that, which was what is the shame Hashem? So the shame Hashem is knowledge of God, and knowledge of God is attained through. Um, through study of Torah and study of the world and so making use of that is relying on the name of Hashem. Making use of your knowledge of God is relying on the name of Hashem. And David capitalized on that because everyone else was just intimidated by the image of Goliath and his physical strength. And David Melch knew that no, there are strategies that can be used in every case. Uh, and in Goliath's case, it was his arrogance and his opening in his helmet that Dovey could hit with a slingshot. And that was using knowledge of strategy, which is using knowledge of Hashem, uh, of the shame of Hashem. Problem is, it doesn't quite feel like that. It doesn't quite feel like you're trusting the name of Hashem with your slingshot. Uh, you know, so like, I I'd like to understand that more. Um, and, uh, and then we had one last move, which was explaining the pivot which is why do we, if this is a tefillah that we're saying at a time when we're going into war, why do we switch to past tense as if the war was already won? So the way, the reason why we do that is because like I mentioned in the analogy, people die most on Everest on the way down, not on the way up. So it's very easy to turn to God when you're in a state of vulnerability and you think that your enemy could defeat you. But after you defeat your enemy, it, you can fall into the pit, into the trap of attributing your success to yourself. So what we're essentially doing is we are rehearsing our hoda'a, our thanks and our acknowledgement to God um, that he's the one who, who gave us victory so that when we go into the war, we're like front-loading, pre-loading, whatever the verb is, our, our recognition and our attribution of success to Hashem from the get-go. And that itself will help us going to war, not trusting in our own strategies. That's the review of last time. That was longer than I thought. That was 10 minutes. Sorry, but it was a good review. I needed it. I hope everyone else <laughs> needed it. Okay, so now the question is... Um, can we summarize what the parak is saying as a whole? <laughs> Can we do it in one sentence? Can we do it in one sentence? What's the idea? And if you want, you can jump the gun and also explain what of it, meaning what are we supposed to get out of it? Because sometimes I find that those are just two sides of the same coin. You want me to start you off? Or do you have something? I would say, like, go into battle knowing Shem Hashem is on your side as long as you use it. 
Okay, good. That's the type of thing I'm looking for, right? So, uh, so go into battle knowing that the shame of shame is on your side, as long as you use it correctly, right? Good. I accept that. Okay. Um, if there's a way we could formulate it that would like verbalize the two halves of the parrot, that'd be even better. Something to the effect, I was going to basically say the same thing as you, but something to the effect of, of Hashem is with us. If we turn to him when going to war and we turn to him in, in our, in, uh, uh, for, uh, in thanks for our success, something like that, you know, um, yeah okay that actually is better that uh, that, that that goes better is that uh knowing that hashem is the one who helps you win the war will help you win the war when you turn to hashem <laughs> okay something like that yeah okay um oh there's another thing we also sorry another thing we didn't explain which is um how can the rambam say that you're not going to get hurt in the war Right. So we, we, we did talk about that. Yeah, we, we talked about that last time. So what we said, uh, and I, we, we said that there's, okay, I, I quoted Rabbi Yonah on Mishlei that he says, trust in Hashem is one thing for Tzadikim and another thing for the Hamon. So for Tzadikim, we do say that there is an actual intervention in the laws of nature to achieve success beyond what can happen. So for example, the Radak on Pasuk 8 said, we are going to war with chariots on foot and we're winning. Now you could do that, like again, with, um, the slingshot. I mean, that was an example of that. Um, but Mashma, the way he's learning it, I think a lot of Mepharshim say explicitly that saving us with his right hand means violation of the laws of nature. Like that's like in Mitzrayim, God's right hand is the one that does miracles, you know? Um, so that's for the Tzadikim. Or another example of this is uh, Avraham, LK Avraham, Magin Avraham, the shield of Avraham. And in this week's Parsha, then seems like the, the victory over all the kings was assisted by Hashem. Seems like that's one of the points of describing that. So that's for Tzadikim. If your general is a Tzadik, great. Good for you. Then, then Hashem will intervene to help you. But what about people like us? So that we answered last time by saying that what does it mean you won't get hurt? Well, if your value system is, um, is material success and prosperity and welfare and all this other stuff, so then you can get hurt because the enemy can hurt you, <laughs> you know, can hurt your body, can hurt your property, can destroy stuff. But if your value system is the shame Hashem, and you are doing everything in your capacity to advance that, you know, to advance the shame Hashem through through fighting with all of your heart and all your soul. So then, that will not be an actual harm. Um, it will be. It, it would. It's not something that you prefer, but it won't be an actual harm because it's not in the area that you tap into as your primary values. And I've quoted this before, but I want to quote this to bolster the idea. The Radak in Mishle, uh, we did this over the summer most recently, where he says. Trust in Hashem with all of your heart and don't rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will straighten your paths. So again, on the surface, this contradicts all of Mishle because Mishle is literally an instruction book about how to rely on your understanding for success. Uh, but what he says is, uh, don't... Um, this is the Radak. Don't act like the fools or the arrogant. That they ascribe all their success to their own understanding. They say, I did this with my own power. Even if you are, if you exercise wisdom, 
Um, don't say I'm going to, uh, I'm a Chacham and I'm going to do all of my affairs with Chachma and I'm going to acquire wealth. But toss your Bidikon and remove your trust from God. Because no matter how much understanding you have, you can only succeed through the will of God. If God approves it, if God allows it, because everything comes from him, meaning from external factors, you can only succeed if it goes your way. And internal factors, your mind, your strength, your aim is all given to you by God. So it's not even you who's really succeeding. It's it's through God, or it's, it's through you, but it's from God. He's the one who impoverishes and and uh, and makes rich and lowers and uh, and raises according to his desire. Now, here's the part I wanted to get to that supports our idea. So what does it mean? Behold, know him in all your ways. However you say that. Recognize God and remember him. Uh, know him in truth and know that he prepares your footsteps and your, your, your walking like we learned in Mishle this last week. And then he says, What does it mean he will straighten all your ways? Nothing will happen to you that is a hate or a stumbling block. As it is stated, one who comes to purify himself will be assisted, meaning that anything that happens to you, as long as you have this value system of trusting in God, can be used as a stepping stone to, to seeking more knowledge of God or, or love of God or fear of God. And if you look, one more, sorry, one more Raya. If you look at the Radak on Tehillim, oh, sorry, this is all Radak on Tehillim. If you look at the Radak on Ashrei that we say every day, three times a day, <laughs> Hashem is close to all who call on him, to all call him in truth. The, the will of his, the ones who fear him, he will do, and their outcry he will hear and he will save them. Now, if you just read that Pasuk, it would imply that God always does the will of those who fear him and always saves them. But look what the Radak says. The will of those who fear him. They call him in truth. And he does their will in what they ask from him. Now, why is that? Again, this is the whole approach we've been building up over last year is what are they asking him for? But what do they want? Uh, in general, uh, just in Ashe, like what are the people who fear God going to want? Whatever's in line with God's will, you know? So, so they're already, they're aligning their, their desires with God's will so, so, and, and, and whatever God's will ends up being, then they will, then, then they're going to get, you know, and that's even if they don't get an intervention from Mashgacha. And that's what he says this next. And this is the part that's amazing. He will uh, accept their prayer. He'll listen to their prayer. And he'll save them from a tsara that befalls them. Or the tsara will befall them and atone for their sins. Okay. So what does that mean? You're going to war. Okay. And you're, you're going at the guy with, with all of your, your heart and all your soul. So what's going to happen? One of two things. Either God will, uh, will assist you in defeating the guy, or you're going to get injured. But because you're in the framework of Yerush Hashem, then that will serve as a kapara, which is also in line with God's will, which is also God helping you to do what you want, which is to perfect yourself, you know, which is to get closer to his will, you know. Um, so, uh, so that is the, uh, so that's how, so again, just to summarize here, 
how does this work that God's going to guarantee victory? Well, if you're a tzaddik who's on the level for God to assist you, like David and Melch and Abraham, God will literally help you defeat your enemy in a miraculous manner. If you were a member of the battalion who's going out to war and maybe you're not on that level, then having this mentality will help you to, um, to, you know, to maintain your values in a way where things that happen to you do not uh, register in your mind as harm, you know, and it's a key in that because you're using it for your, uh, your, your advancement. So, so that I think answers our question for number four, what's the purpose of this purpose of this, in addition to turning to Hashem and cultivating trust in him is to actually like, um, well, I guess that is the purpose, right? It's to cultivate trust in Hashem before and after, uh, and to thereby assuring your success, you know, so saying this is a way to prepare yourself for success. Right. So uh, in Tefillah, you're talking about after someone else, right? Yeah. So should, should we transition to that now and see if we can answer that uh, rather than, oh, I think we also answered number three, right? We explained how it seems like it's not true that God's going to protect you from everything, but then we answer that. Okay. I think let's go to Tefillah now rather than going through each and every Pasuk, because I think that'll be a better use of our time. Okay. So here's what I found. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to read you two, three Mepharshim. Okay, so this is from the Taurus Chaim Siddur. Yeah, they came out with it last summer. Um, it's very good, mostly for the accurate text and the footnotes. Okay. Um, so we have the Abu Diram. So here's what he says. Okay. Uh, and this one, I think, is the most, is the strangest. Okay. Oh, so first of all, first of all, let me just contextualize this halakhically. Uh, I said I would do this last time, but I think we did not have time. So if you look at the Rambam's uh, Seder, is it in Seder Tefillah or is it in Hilvah's Tefillah? I think it's in Hilvah's Tefillah. Yeah. Okay, so the way it works is like this. Uh, after, he'll say it twice. Um, okay, after you're done with the Shimon Esrei, so Ram has a whole thing about bowing full face, face on the ground. You do mischanin b'chol tachanunim You supplicate with all the supplications that you want. Now, what does tachanun mean in Hebrew? Like as opposed to, let's say, tefillah or bakasha. What are tachanunim? I think there's a famous Rashi on this. Not that we all know all famous Rashis. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, let's just quote Rashi to add authority to this, because Rashi is good at being authoritative. Va'eschanan, okay. Va'eschanan, uh, this is Moshe. Va'eschanan el Hashem ba'isahi. Ein chinun b'chol makom el alashan matnas chinam. This is in Devarim, beginning of Parshas Va'eschanan, 323. Chinun only means, is an expression of a free gift. Afal pishiyesh l'tzadikim litlos b'masei matovim, even though tzadikim can... Rely might be the wrong word on their good actions. They only ask God for things for free because they realize that they're not deserving or that maybe they uh, they messed up their zechus. Okay, then the place where the Ramam says this in this this is the one I was looking for. Seder Hatfilos. So what do you do? You um, let's just start in the middle. You do Gal Israel, then you stand up and you daven. You daven Shimon Esrei. You sit and you fall on your face. That's what we call Tachanun. Umischanin. Umagbia Rosho, and you sit up. Umischanin Naat Vuyoshev. Divri Tachanunim. So you say some Tachanunim when you're on your face. Some tachanunim when you're sitting up, and then You say Ashrei, 
you do tahanunim according to your capacity and then you leave and go on your way. Okay. And then same thing when you're with, um, uh, in that was for the individual. This is when you are when in shul, he says, you say Kaddish and hold on. Where are we? Hold on. Why am I? Oh, so this is what we call the Kedusha de Sidra. Okay. Uh, or the Seder Hayom actually in the Ram language. Um, he says, uh, the Shlich Tzibor, the says Kaddish and you answer, they say, they say, Ashrei, and then you, he's standing and you're sitting and they say, okay. And the Ramam characterize all of these things as Tachanunim also and Tzuke Rachanim. Now he doesn't say Lamanatea, but this is the halakha context that we have the men have to say Lamanatea. Okay. So what is Lamanatea doing in our tefillah? So we have a couple of theories. Abu, Abu Dirim says like this. So why do they say Lamanatea at the end of tefillah? It's says Tiknu. Like as if he holds as part of the Takana. Strange. Mipnesha Omar Bimidrash Tilim, because it says in the Midrash Tilim, Amar Rabbi Shimon Bar Aza, Bar Abba, Ata Mota Yurchas Mizmor Midrosha Sefer of Ad Pasavzeh. You'll find that there are 18 chapters in Tilim until this chapter. Wow. Problem is that there are 19, right? So I thought the easy answer was, well, now we have 19 Brachos of the Shimon Esra, so it all works out. Uh-huh. He, he says a different answer. So the first two Prakim are really one. Okay, so we'll have to at some point learn that second parak and find out if uh, if that's true. And he says, So the first 19 chapters of Tehillim correspond to the 18 brachos of the Shemona Esrei. Adam Omer Lachavero Tisani Tlusach. A person should say to his friend, May your tefillos be answered. So too, David Amalek, after he sang these 18 songs and praises, Omar, Yancha Hashem Biyom Tzara. Hashem should answer you on the day uh, of, of distress. And that's what it says in the Talmud Yerushalmi. Okay, so that's answer number one. Okay, that we, we say Lam Natseach because you're supposed to say to your fellow afterwards, after the Davin, may your prayer be answered. And David, we're saying this because David is saying that about us, <laughs> something like that. Okay, that's answer number one. Okay. Uh, again, we're going to try to figure the, whichever these out that we can. Answer number two is by the Rebar Yakar. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so this, I don't know if the Abu Dhirim says that this is part of the Tachanunim or if this is a completely separate thing of like a Poshman Esrei like something, you know? Yeah. Okay. So he says, oh, so wait, he says the same thing. I think he says something else in the next page. Hold on. Um, oh, yeah. So he, so the Rebar Yakar starts to say the same thing. And he says, you're really supposed to say this after, immediately after davening. Okay, after your Shemona Esrei. Um, so it doesn't matter if you have some uh, interruptions and you say Ashrei. If you say Ashrei before Lama Naseach, because it's like the beginning of Tefillah. Since you say Kaddish, hold on. I hope I'm not misremembering this. Oh, yeah. Okay. So he says, why do we say Because he says, I guess there's test pro- there's nine proper psukim, if you exclude the first one. Okay. 
It's like the nine months uh, in, uh, in pregnancy. Umahin Omrin, we read this in the Radak earlier. What do they say to the pregnant woman? May the one who answered your mother who gave birth to you answer you if you're struggling with your birth, right? That's the woman who's like having difficulty in childbirth, okay? So he's saying that the, the whole parak alludes to that. The outcry and tefillah of a pregnant woman goes before God without the need of an intermediary. Good, pretty good tefillah. Because the key of, I think chaya here, I don't think it means life. I think it means the key of pregnancy is given over to a malach. Okay, so that's number two, that we're alluding to pregnancy and to the fact that a pregnant woman's uh, tefillah is answered. Now, it's interesting that there is a little common thread because, or I don't know, common or opposite, but according to the Abu Dhiram from Midrash Tehillim, we're saying this basically because we are asking for someone else's tefillah to be heard. And apparently, you know, their tefillah is not guaranteed that it's going to be heard. And then here, we're also invoking the idea of someone whose tefillah is, is guaranteed to be heard. You know, so it sounds like these are like, we're saying this into some, some sort of idea of like bolstering tefillos, which fits into the pshat because we do say, may Hashem answer, me, answer you on the day of your distress, you know, but, but in the, the rule in tefillah is tachanunim that your tefillah should be answered, sounds like. Okay. Then we have a completely different approach, which until a half, until an hour ago, I thought was only in one of the Akronim, but I found out that he's quoting, not that that makes it bad, but I was a little suspicious because none of the other Rishonim say this, except for our friend, the Ra'avan. And when I say our friend, I mean that I had to look him up on Wikipedia because I forgot who he was. Eliezer bin Natan, who was a contemporary of Rashi, okay, who wrote a Pirish on Tefillah. Um, okay, so what does he say? And he says on the last page, he says like this. And this one, I feel like uh, David Halichter, <laughs> I'm going to start calling him David Halichter this year to differentiate from David Melch, said, um, uh, said something like this. It has in it supplication and tefillah. A person needs uh, livelihood and, and sustenance every day. This is the part I'm skeptical about. David Melch said this Mizmor al Yisrael on the Jewish people, reverse of what we said before. We said that the Jewish people said it about David. When they needed a, a livelihood and when they needed like, you know, daily uh, provisions. And they would go out on a gedud. Now, I thought a gedud was like a, a, uh, a band of soldiers. And I had to look up the uh, translation here. Gadud is a band or a troop, marauding band, troop divisions of an army. Sounds like he's learning that it's like a caravan or something like that. You know, like they would go out to try to like make, um, to try to like get a livelihood. And David would pray over them, would daven over them that they should return in peace. Therefore, they established to say this every day. Now, can we... I think this one fits in the best with the approach we've been taking, right? And you started to say something like this, I think. Yeah. So how, how, what's the relevance of the parak to Parnassa and going out to your day? I feel like this parak is saying we should bring way we think about going to war with, in like, you know, the true framework of, you know, being doing with Hashem, Hashem. Yeah. So every day, like we should just frame our decision making. Right. Hashem. Okay. Right. And, and so I'll say that in case people didn't hear, is just like we go to war with the Shem Hashem in mind as the cause of our success and what we turn to and our purpose. So too we should go out to our our um, 
our uh, our livelihood uh, with that mentality. And furthermore, I think the idea, it's funny, the idea of ascribing things to yourself, I feel like is stated more in Torah about wealth than about war. You know, like the Kohiv Otamiyadi thing, which is like the source in Devarim for that whole thing is, is about like your wealth and your, your sustenance, you know? Um, so, um, what do you call? So that is relevant. And this also, I feel like fits in well with Tachanunim. Why? Yeah. So l- l- let's just see if we can clarify this because there is another Brach Nishman Esrei that you say about your Pranasa, which is Baruch Aleinu, right? Um, you were singing like to them. Yeah, no. Um, yeah. So, um, so can we just define the difference between asking for parnasa in the framework of Barei in tefillah versus uh, this type of way of relating to our parnasa? I know that's a very vague question. I know we haven't learned Barei yet. On the world. On the world, right. Okay, good. So I think that, that that's a good way to frame it. So Barei is asking God to provide the world with everything that it needs so to speak, to provide the Mizonos at their source, okay? You know, and secondarily, we hope that we get our allocation of that, you know, um, but this is talking about how we translate that to, I'm actually going to go face my job now and um, and turning towards God for help in relating to it in the proper way. Yeah. <laughs> That was what I was skeptical about when. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's it, it, you know you could you could squeeze it into Biom Tsara or Shemel Kayako. Good luck with the Eli Varech of Eli Vasusim. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So I think the way to answer it is like what what Isaiah was saying, which is that it's not that the Mizmor is about Parnasa. It's about turning to the Shem Hashem for your success and. And the success that we are are leaving chakras for is in our personal success. So it's not like so the, the subject matter is not the same, but the 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 technique and the shevak are the same. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. Uh, let me just turn to that Acheron uh, who um, I mentioned. I thought was the source of this because let's see if he adds some words. Yeah. I was going to say that the part in Shmuel Esther that this is most similar to I think is and it's sort of. Right. Now you're asking to, you know, speak in the right framework. Right. And those are, those are, uh, talking to them as well. And, and, and those are like right after Shimon Esrei, uh, that most directly pertain to asking mm-hmm. for, for your tefillahs to uh, be in line with God's will. Uh, I looked this person up also. Let me just look him up again. Um, cause I didn't know who he was. Matem mm-hmm. Moshe is, um, a highly cited, so fifth, published in 1591. I don't know when he, oh, sorry. He lived. Moshe ben Avraham of, Good luck pronouncing that one. Perjimus. <laughs> uh, Galician rabbi. Uh, so early Akron, uh Born in 1550. Okay. Student of Rushlomo Luria, who is the Marshal. Um, so he writes. So it looks like he quotes it verbatim at first. He says, Okay. Okay, so that's what he says. Ah, so he does answer it. Okay, Chaim. He says that 
it's after Ashrei, and that is about Parnassah, and Posech Asidaka must be Lachochai Ratzon. Okay. Then that actually segues into the next point I was going to make. Um, let's see if he says anything new. I think he just quotes the Abudim. Oh, yeah. So then he says something else, which I'll quote from him because the other Rishonim say this. Um, this also talks about the time of Mashiach. Shinemar, as it says, Hashem Hashem answer you in the day of distress. Uh, okay, that Mashiach will be an Eistara. And we said some Mepharshim learned that this is not about David and Malach, that this is about Mashiach. Okay. Um, Yishlach Ezra Kodesh, Mashiach ben David. So, so send your help from the Kodesh, that's Mashiach himself. Eli Varechev, that's Gogol Magog, uh, the, the enemy that we're fighting that's going to trust in their chariots. Ulakach Nahagul Omro, Samachla Uvalation Goel. That's why we say it close to Uvalation Goel, because shame on me for never thinking about this. Uvalation Goel is a tefillah about Mashiach. Right, a redeemer will come to Zion. You know, I just think of it as like the thing that houses Kaddish or Kadusha. I mean, you know, but it's literally saying like, you know, uh, the Goel will come. So it is an interesting thing that it's in the middle of uh, between Ashrei and Uvalatyon. So it connects to Ashrei with Parnasa. It connects to Uvalatyon with Mashiach. And I think you can also tie in the um, the themes of the Parak as we learned it to Mashiach. Like, how would you articulate tying in the themes of the Parak of you know the way we learned it with Mashiach time? Or, sorry, sorry, two things. Either Mashiach in abstract or what is it going to do to our relevant, of what relevance is thinking about Mashiach Yom Tzara going to be when we end our Shachris? Because no one explained that. Like, why are we, I understand thinking about Parnassah, we're going to go for Parnassah, but why, why Mashiach? Yeah. Has an effect on the world. Okay, that's good. And having in like, you know, everyone has this mentality that could maybe bring about Mashiach. Like, mm-hmm. you know, okay, yeah, I mean, right. Okay, good. So I'm actually going to um, jump one step behind that and then segue into that is what is Mashiach? What, why do we want? Why do we care about Mashiach? So last halacha in the Rambam, last two halachos. So the Chachamim the Nevi'im don't want Mashiach in order to rule the world. And not in order to dominate the Goyim. And not so that we can uh, uh, be exalted among all the peoples. Not to eat, drink, and be happy and be merry. Rather, so that we can be free to be involved in Torah and its wisdom, and that no one will be uh, an obstruction or uh, uh, someone who stops us. And so that they can get Olam Haba like we explained in Hilos Tshuva. And in that time, there will not be in that time Famine, nor war, nor jealousy, nor competition. The good will be abundant. And all delicacies will be available like dust. The, the endeavor of the entire world will only be to know Hashem. Therefore, they will be great 
They will know hidden and deep things. And they will uh, uh, comprehend the, the knowledge of their creator uh, according to the capacity of man. As Yeshayahu says, the earth will be filled with knowledge of Hashem like water covers the seabed. So what we're doing is we are reminding ourselves what we're striving for, which is Mashiach, in order that we can have Yudhiyas Hashem. And we're also reminding ourselves that all of the annoying stuff that we have to put up with in work and all of the, like, you got to imagine also Jews trying to make a living throughout most of history face a lot of these starvation and, you know, and competition and uh, enemies trying to stop them and, and other nations and such. And all of that stuff is, is going to be gone at the time of Mashiach. And then it kind of like resets what our priorities are and like what the goal we're looking forward to is in the same way as like, you know, um, I guess no one sitting in front of me right now is in the workforce right now making a living, but you know, sometimes you really like uh, you have what I call a raw bog Shabbos Rabag says one of the purposes of Shabbos is um, knowing that Shabbos comes makes you work harder throughout the day for the right reasons, you know, so that like if you had infinite work days, you just would get, it would be soul crushing, you know, but you know that I'm going to get Shabbos and I'm going to have a break from work and I'm going to get to be involved in Torah and Chachma. And that like supercharges you throughout the rest of the day. So with all of that, and everyone going with that mentality, it can actually like bring about Mashiach because everyone's invo- involved in those values, like you guys were saying, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's the purpose why you're getting a Parnassa. Like, you know, you are doing it for the same values of, uh, uh, of Mashi- uh, you know, Mashiach. That's why um, I started this doing Hakafos. Just give me one second. I got to get a sitter. Because uh, I don't know Hakafos is my heart. <laughs> Uh, the line of this day, this might not be relevant, but I think it is. For Hakafos on Sukkot, we say, give me a second. Hakafos would be after Rosh Hashanah, after Yom Kippur Sukkot. Here we go. Um, at the end, uh, Nope. <laughs> I was imagining this. What was I thinking of? So chapter Yaakov Never mind. I was imagining uh, a riot from from uh, from Hoshanos. Yeah. Um, any other questions or observations on the pair? I feel like other than question two, which is going through every single puzzle, which we kind of spent the first two two days going through, you know. Um, oh, there's one more tidbit, okay, uh, that I just noticed. Oh, I know what we need to do. Okay, we need to answer those, the, the pregnant woman thing. There was one thing, uh, yeah. Okay, but just one one little um, thing to point out here. I was thinking, if Yan HaShem Yom Tzara is, is us davening for someone else's tefillah to succeed, whether like the Abu Dhirim said, or like plain shot that we're we're asking for David HaMelech's tefillah to succeed, so I don't know if this is significant, but my mind just associated to this. Uh, you have here, okay, asking for someone else's tefillah to succeed. That's Pasuk Bez. Pasuk Gimel is talking about the Aaron HaKodesh and how all of our help comes from the Shechina over the Aaron, which is where the Luchos and the Torah are. And then Dalit is uh, Korbanos. So you have Avoda 
and Torah and Gimilus Chasadim. Now, I don't know if that's just a coincidence. I don't know if I'm just projecting into it, but it is an interesting thing that he starts off, like, because when my Russians and I were working on this, we were trying to figure out, like, you look like you notice that that the first time he like it feels like random things in a little way like we were looking for some pattern and this was a pattern that I saw I don't know if it's actually real yeah Isaiah oh, I just thought of a way to tie this into like Yom Hadin yeah is like um <clears throat> we said we looked at the um measures that talks about natives from and the other most going to like a report or you know like a thing case. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And on circuit, so it's kind of like that. We're like, we're going to a battle now. So if you have the right, ah, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, and it is a competing value system. Is you know, in addition to competing for resources. Um, I just thought of an idea for the pregnant woman thing. Right. So again, the case is if a woman is struggling in pregnancy, the thing we say to her is, "May the one who answered your mother in her tefillah." answer you, right? So what are you doing there? So what you what, what we said last time when we brought that up or two times ago is you're basically, there's a feeling when someone is davening that what if it's hopeless, you know? And what you're doing is you're saying, look, Hashem did help your mother to have, and you're, and the proof is that I'm talking to you right now, you know? It's not a guarantee that you're going to, um, that you're going to, uh, you know, get your feel answered, but it is pointing out the reality that in a situation of hopelessness, then Hashem saved. And we pointed out a similar thing in the second half of the parak. excuse me, that if this was referring to prior battles that Dovin and Melech won, we're reminding ourselves that God did save his anointed one. You know, um, if you're talking about Paro, uh, again, I think whenever we think of chariots and horses, I think we can't help but think of Paro because that was like the first time we faced chariots and horses. You know, Hashem helped us there, right? And similarly, when you're facing a, a war, like another literal war, it does help if, and it feels like it's hopeless. Well, if you remember, there were times Purim, Pesach, you know, Hanukkah, uh, David and Goliath, that it felt hopeless and Hashem did help. So the goal is, is that can break your feeling of it's hopeless and I'm alone and realize that there is a source who does care about Israel, about those people in Israel who do, who care about these values. And he has brought us success before. And then that can strengthen your, your bitachon in Hashem, according to all the ways that we said. And same thing when you go to your Parnassa is like, there are situations that make it, that feel hopeless. And then like, um, and then like, you know, you get a, a, a job, uh, you know, like, uh, or you get a, 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 a deal or you get something that, you know, you find, uh, <laughs> just saw someone this afternoon, uh, you know, looking through, uh, an old magazine and there's just a ton of, ton of money in it, you know, like sometimes stuff like that just happens, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, again, not, not to say that you should d- depend the, on the fact that that will happen, but it breaks the impossible. In other words, you can't turn to God if part of you feels like it's impossible that I'm going to get out of the situation. So it breaks that feeling of impossibility and therefore removes the barriers to realizing that, Oh, of course, Hashem is the one who brings success. And I put my trust in him with that. Okay, good. I feel like that did, that did kind of come together at least enough to have Kavana in saying this, if we pay attention when we say it. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So the plan for next Thursday or for this Thursday is a uh, Chaim's request to talk about Bakashos in uh, Shimon Esrei. And what I want to do, tell me if you have done this. There's a tshuva on, of the Rashba on Agadata 
on whether you should do Shevach then Bakasha or Bakasha then Shevach? Okay, it's a juicy piece, which I like to come to every couple of years. Uh, and uh, and it gets to the heart of what you're doing when you have a Bakasha from Hashem and what you're doing when you praise Hashem and what the relationship between the two is. Okay, so let's plan on doing that then. All righty. Thanks for coming. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.